Podcast Network. The light shines brightest on our indie podcasts. Welcome, believers, skeptics, and paranormal thrill-seekers, to another episode of Through the Veil. I'm your host, JD, the guy who still wonders if banshees are just angry women who belong on an episode of Snapped. Come join us today as we travel to Ireland and explore a legend that goes back to the Gaelic period. Banshees. The name itself conjures up images for some of a mythical entity somewhere in the woods of a woman who wails at the top of her lungs or appears as a wraith. The legend itself, however, goes much deeper. Banshees are old spirits thought to be dated before the Christian Gaelic deities. They are also known in Celtic Christian religion You may also hear them referred to as fallen angels. Still, other places see her as an old witch, a hag in the mist, the little washerwoman in English tradition. Some describe them as part of the fairy folk or a woman of the mound. The folklore itself all agrees. It is a female spirit that in Irish folklore announces the death of a family member by wailing shrieking, or keening. And if you have ever watched any of the period dramas or done any historical research, keeners were a real thing. I found out that a keener uh, is a Canadian slang saying that someone who is a keener is a nerd, a geek, brown noser, or smarty pants. That's the modern translation. Now, what they were in the times of the Banshee was a wo- as was a woman who was paid to, to weep at someone's funeral. Normally, these women were local drunks or people of lives that were wasn't really noteworthy. They were generally paid in alcohol, and some say these women were likely to become Banshees themselves after death. I have no opinion on whether or not that's true. But this guy wants to know where I can find a professional keener when I finally kick the bucket. My wife would be thrilled to see random chicks crying at my funeral. And I'm willing to bet that there would be a few more funerals shortly after mine. No matter what name this creature goes by, nobody wants to hear a banshee wailing. The banshee has an important job of warning the family members of ancient Irish families that their death is near and it is said to follow families that start with the letter O or the prefix Mac. If you don't have this in your last name in your family legacy, you're probably safe from the Banshee's cry. Initially, it was said that Banshees are hardly seen, just heard. The deathly screams are said to be able to shatter glass And I found this in most of the information I was looking up. 
Now, just for fun, because I wanted to see just what it would take to shatter glass, and since I'm a musician at heart, you would need to be at least one octave above middle C, which is pretty high. You would also need to sing loud enough and long enough. You'd have to sustain the note for it to vibrate the glass to break. So imagine you're just minding your own business back in the 1800s and you hear this aspiring opera singer whose goal is to usher your soul into the other world. I imagine if you heard something that loud, you would have some residual ringing in your ears as a mark of the banshee for a good bit. Now, more information that I was able to find on the start of the banshee legend. Banshees date back as far as 1380. Specifically, mentions of her can be found in literature from that time period. Going forward into its forms, it would appear as a young maiden to lure people like a siren to their death. It is also said, according to a rare encounter, a person said, if you encounter a woman with no earthly shape, a gleaming face, lots of red hair and red eyes, and you think that person might be beautiful except for their hellish expression, you may just be witnessing a banshee. Their height could range from three feet all the way to eight feet. Now to me, I think this is misleading as she is said to be a bringer of death, not the cause of it. It is also said by the few that spot her that her eyes are permanently red from the constant weeping so it's not like a glowing red. According to the Irish, post tales of battles where soldiers just up and went AWOL because they heard the wailing coming from the woods before getting into battle. They just knew they were next on the Banshee's hit list and left before she got a chance to take their lives. The irony in all of this is that they went the opposite direction to flee death and ended up greeting death as their enemies would kill them. And if they didn't kill them, friendly fire or Mother Nature itself would get them. This fueled the Banshee legend. Every time someone would die, I feel like this one could be chalked up to just being dumb and asking for it, but why not lump it in with Banshee lore? On the flip side to the Shrieking Woman of Death, it is said that not all Banshees are evil. Some are spirits that love their families so much that they want to watch over them. In the cases that the Banshee is a loved one, they sing a soft, haunting song, usually heard only by the family member that they will be ushering into death's embrace. So don't get me wrong, Banshees are always bringers of death. However, sometimes they provide a sweeter, kinder exit from the world that they once knew. I wonder if everyone who hears the Banshee's cries is the next to pass. Then how do people know about her? There's no one left to tell the tale. Do we have any encounters of people that have heard a Banshee and lived to tell the tale? Well, if you know this show, you know we've dug up some great stuff for you. So sit tight and keep your ears ready and we'll get right into it after we hear from another podcaster 
on the Darkcast Network. Sit tight. Are you a fan of true crime, cults, conspiracies, and all things sinister? Then tune in with me, your host Steph, every week for a new episode of the Sinister Story Hour. You can find the Sinister Story Hour on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Through the Veil, my little spooklets. Let's continue as we learn more about the Banshee. According to the Dairy Journal, a story going back to the 1940s, it tells us about a time when someone heard the mournful wail and lived to talk about it. Come with me, if you will, to Fulton Place. Back then, it was just a side street which ran off of Old Howard Street and backed up to one of the graveyards of St. Columbus Church. The story we are about to tell is called The Long Tower. It goes that one winter, an older resident of the area became suddenly ill and had to stay in bed. And after a few days, people noticed black crows landing in the street right in front of the home. It appeared that they were just picking up scraps of bread that were thrown out for the other birds. I say they were just hungering in the area, but we all know when crows show up, it's never a good thing. Now, the visitors to the house chased the crows away as quick as possible. But later that night, the older person's condition became fatal and a priest was called in to perform the last rites. A little while later, one of the younger family members heard a knock at the back door. Nobody else in the entire household heard the knock. She heard the knocking sound again, followed by a low moaning. The young girl became startled at this, and it wasn't until an older woman sitting near her told her to answer the door, stating, You'll have no rest until the knock is answered. So what kind of rest could anyone get if you have a woman wailing outside of your house? Why did the Banshee pick that young family member to come to instead of someone else? I guess we'll never know that answer, but nonetheless, doing what she was told, the young girl went to open the door. She screamed and fainted. Once they brought the young girl in and got her calmed down, she explained that when she opened the door and peered outside across the yard, she saw an old hag-like woman with long white hair and a white dress. She was crying and wringing her hands together. She started towards the door and when I screamed, she vanished. As predicted, the old man passed away that night. Everyone who was in that home that evening understand that the Banshee had paid a visit. The same area had another such story around the same time period. This was told by a resident of Bogside, and this one involved her grandpa and one of his children. The grandfather had been dealing with what he thought was a toothache for several days. He was talking to his wife about going to the dentist. While he was talking with her, he mentioned he saw a large white sheet hanging from the neighbor's upstairs window. 
The wife dismissed it as the neighbor was just drying her sheet after washing it. I know my wife would tell me I'm crazy and maybe she was just washing her sheet or I was seeing things and she would also tell me to mind my business and stop looking at her window. I almost didn't add this part of the story to today's episode because it didn't make sense. Looking back at however, I wonder if he saw the banshees dressed and just assumed it was a sheet in the window. It seems like he didn't pay close enough attention, so she went to the sun. The next day, the woman's son approached her and was a little upset. He stated that the previous night, he heard a mournful wail coming from the bottom of the street. And when he looked out, he said he saw a young child sitting under a windowsill crying. He went down to assist them only to find not a child but a small old woman who was inconsolable. He did put his hand out to her but she shied away and ran off. The son was taken aback by how something that looked so small could be so horrifically grotesque looking. He knew at that moment he had been visited by a banshee as well. Now here's my question. Knowing that you're Irish and the lore for a banshee is huge, it's almost common knowledge that things aren't as they appear. Why would you then not just call down to the person or watch them a bit before trying to go to them? Me, I would be ignoring everyone and everything that seemed just a little bit off. I suppose, though, ignoring the cry of the banshee does nothing for you in the end. If she is sent to take you on your eternal journey, then she will be doing her job whether she is ignored or not. Back to our tale of father and son. After seeing this, he insisted his mother have his father seen by a doctor immediately. At this point, not known to them, his father was already past the point of being helped. A few nights later, he passed. Still to this day, the family insists that their grandfather saw his own death. This is eerie because it sounds like the family members hear the cries of the banshee. So how then is one truly to know who the banshee is after? Those stories are pretty eerie to think on, and stories just like those can be heard all over Ireland. If you have an Irish friend or family member, perhaps you might want to ask them if they've ever heard the wail of a banshee. Or if they know someone who has. Banshees, however, are not exclusive to just the Irish. Sorry folks, I love Ireland as much as the next guy. But you have to share this one. Even though Ireland and Scotland have the most reputation built for this folklore. Anyone that has Viking roots or knows anything about Norse mythology might have a few stories to tell as well. In Norse mythology, the Valkyrie is similar to the Banshee and its name translates roughly into the chooser of the slain. The legend goes that Odin chose the Valkyrie to select worthy warriors for a place in Valhalla, which means the Hall of the Fallen. She is like a banshee as she calls out to those that will die in battle 
to usher them into Valhalla. I think this is more of a Viking myth than anything. I couldn't find much more than this, and while it's an interesting note, I think we'll stick with Banshees in the UK. King Arthur himself was said to have encountered a Banshee. A legend encountering a legend? This is like an Inception moment. In the legends, Morgan Lee Fay, Arthur's sister, and the Queen of Avalon was said to have qualities like a banshee. She was known to be a shapeshifter and fortune teller whose prophecies instilled fear in people. The different tales and encounters from all over tend to make a person a believer in the banshee. We have tales of kings such as King James I in 1437, who claimed to have been visited by the Lady of Death herself. In the story, he says that a thin screeching sound between a wail and a moan of an owl is what accompanied her. He did not heed her warning, and we all know what happened to, to uh, King James I. Another famous story is that of Bunworth Banshee in the 1800s. This one takes us back to Ireland. Local people tell tales of a nobleman named Chris Bunworth. Apparently a week or so before he passed, one of Bunworth's farmhands was tasked with getting medication for his employer, who wasn't feeling very well. When he was on his way back, he heard a chilling wail. He said he was overcome with fear and grief, and he told the mistress of the house that he was going away from us, and surely we will lose him. The master, we will lose him. We will lose him. The banshee has come for him, miss. Tis not I alone who have heard her. This is a little scary. Your hired help is coming to tell you that your husband will die as he heard the banshee's cry on his way home with the medication. The farmhand's account, however, seemed to be accurate as his employee passed later that day. In today's modern world, we would have just accused this person of murder and called it a day, especially if the person died shortly after the medication was delivered. I bet you're wondering if anyone from the modern world has had banshee encounters. So far, the latest information we had was from the 1950s. According to the author on uniguide.com about the banshee as recently as the 1950s, the author's family in Ireland has had their own experiences. The author states that their uncle Brendan, who is a Gaelic storyteller in the village of Ballintubber in County Roscommon, which is in West Ireland. He says that he saw a banshee in the form of an old woman. In his story, she wore a shawl around her shoulders and sights outside of the door of a family with a warning that death is coming. The next day in the house, someone dies. Brendan says he is not the only one in the village who has seen her. Other locals say they have seen her in the form of an old woman as well. The author goes on to state that her own father heard the cry of the banshee on his way home from a football match. 
Now, when you're picturing this, football in Ireland is soccer, or more like rugby is here. He says, and his story remains consistent every time he tells it, that when he got home that day, he found out about the death of his neighbor. He says he has been uneasy ever since, much like those that have heard the cry of the banshee. Other locals from that area say that the banshee followed the family of the feral clan. They have never heard her themselves, but neighbors say that they have. They say they hear a lonesome howl around their homes in time of sorrow. Now, thinking about where they live, it could be a wild animal of some sort. Perhaps a wolf crying in the night. Collecting these stories and exploring the myth of the Banshee really makes me think about some things. Does the Banshee visit everyone that is set to die? Is it only those descended from certain clans that the Banshee is attached to? What if several members are miles apart and are slated to die? Does the Banshee then choose only the most important member? I came across an article written in February of this year. It's called Beware the Whale of the Banshee and it was published on the Connolly Cove website. Much like all of my research, the legend tells of a woman's spirit that appears as either an old hag or someone young and beautiful. They are an omen of death and stick with certain ancient families. This article, however, names some names such as Fitzgeralds, O'Neills, O'Connors, and O'Grady's. An interesting thing to note is that both in Ireland and Scotland, it's normal for women to wail or keen at funerals. This is said to be why the Banshee does the same since it's associated with death. Don't wail at my funeral because one, it's over the top and two, it's creepy. Sightings of the Banshee according to this article, are talked about in 1948 and existed in Welsh, Norse, and even American folklore. This one states that the same notable families, but adds in O'Leary's and O'Toole's and O'Conicus. Each family had one single banshee assigned to usher people into the afterlife. Some tales from these families say that the banshee would sing a sad song because she indeed loved the family. This part of the legend, however, is interesting. It is said that a banshee will perch on the window of someone coming into death for hours or days before the death happens. Once the death occurs and she leaves into the night, people have described the sound of fluttering wings. Maybe this goes back to the initial legend that says the banshee is actually of fairy folk origin. Fairies have wings, some of them, so that would explain the fluttering sound. There is an old Irish poem talking about the banshee in the morning. It goes, Hast thou heard the banshee at morn, passing by the silent lake, or walking the fields by orchid? Alas, that I do not rather behold white garlands in the hall of my father's. Can you imagine Tinkerbell or those three fairies from Sleeping Beauty having to behave like this? Perhaps their day job was pestering Peter Pan or looking for looking after Aurora, but at night they were out wailing to, wailing to usher in someone's death. 
That would be a dark, twisted Disney. I think I might actually enjoy that. Another interesting myth that I found about Banshees is that there is a belief that they were a woman who had died before their time and have created an atmosphere of sorrow and grief around spirits. In mythology, the Banshee was made to be linked to fairies as being part of a mythical race called the the, uh, Tuatha de Dananan, in which fairies are descended from and stays close to the families they are assigned to. What happens once the last family member in the line passes away then? That part of the myth, however, is not explained. What is explained is that in the Middle Ages, the Irish believed in them and that sin and consequences also fell to the fairy to deal out punishment. If a person lived a life of selfishness or committed cruel acts during their life, it was said that their soul would remain close to earth and suffer in penance. The Banshee's job was to ensure that this punishment was carried out. On the other side, if a person lived a good life, full of kindness and selflessness with good deeds, the Banshee would usher them into an afterlife full of peace and happiness. And even though the soul was tied to the earth, the Banshee made sure that they were at peace. So almost like Santa's elf doing his bidding. If you're nice, you get candy. If not, you get pure excruciating punishment. Kind of reminds me maybe of the Grim Reaper's wife. That's something to look into. Now what happens if you move out of Ireland, Scotland, or anywhere else that lays claim to the Banshee legend? It is said that some members of families with a Banshee attachment actually moved to the U.S. and brought their Banshees with them. Most legends agree, however, that the Banshee sightings remain in Ireland and Scotland. So far, we've explored some tales, most of the folklore and a few opinions. I was able to stumble upon, however, a pretty old and well-known story about the Banshee. This is the story that was in the memoirs of Lady Fanshawe, Scotland's Lady of the Lake. In 1642, when her husband, Sir Richard, and herself had a chance to visit a friend that resided in the castle, the lady was awakened by a piercing cry. She then saw a lady's face and a figure hovering at the window. The apparition showed itself for some time just hovering at the window and then shrieked and vanished. The next morning, as the lady was telling the story, the host friend in the castle said that she experienced a banshee who was bringing a forecast of death. She then shared the news that a family member had died in the castle that same night. As you can see, we have a lot of stories that dive into the Banshee legend. I myself have never heard very much about the Banshee other than she was the bringer of death. On the surface, it sounds very easy. You hear the Banshee, you die, or someone else does. I do appreciate you going down this rabbit hole with me, because we have many more stories and encounters to go. Another story goes that on a commanding presence for many centuries at Shane's castle on the shore of Lofnig, the castle was first known as Eden Duff Carrick in 1607. The castle was given back to the O'Neill clan by King James. It was then renamed to Shane's castle. In 1913, in her book, The Story of Belfast, 
and its surroundings by Mary Lowry, she states that Shane McBrien O'Neill was the owner and one who gave its name in 1722. The history of the castle goes back to, six, to uh, 1562 when Shane O'Neill had possession of the castle and he ruled most of Ulster. The O'Neills were said to have owned many castles, but Eden Duff Carrick contains a stone carving of a head set into one of the tower walls, which is known as the Black Head of the O'Neills, or the Back Brow on the Rock. The thought behind this stone says that if it ever falls from its spot, the O'Neills would come to an end. Now at this point, you're probably asking, why is this all important? I came for banshees, not a history lesson. Well, hang tight, we're getting to the good part. The O'Neill's banshee, well, she burned the damn castle down. A source says that the origin of the O'Neill's banshee starts when one of the early members of the family was coming back from a raid when he found a cow with its horns tangled in a hawthorn tree. Because these trees are considered sacred, the fairy said that the cow is now their property. O'Neill fed the cow anyway and the fae or excuse me, he freed the cow anyway and the fae became angry. When he got home, he found the fairies had taken his daughter to the bottom of the lock, the lake. The girl was allowed to return only to let her father know that she was safe in the fairy kingdom. Getting a very David Bowie labyrinth vibe here. The daughter was only able to return from then on to warn the family of impending doom thus becoming their banshee. The source says the daughter's name was Kathleen. Other stories say the daughter's name was Maeve. The consensus on all stories, though, is that his daughter is the banshee for the O'Neills. At the time the fire broke out, the architect for Buckingham Palace, Richard Nash, was one of the people working on the castle. It is said today that when you visit the castle, you can look at the remains and the plans for the now-ruined castle. The castle also hosts many basement chambers and vaults, all connected to a long underground passage that used to be used as the servant's entrance or possible escape routes. These vaults, however, are not on the tour. I do not really, I don't really see how the Banshee could be directly related to the fire as her wails were not heard and nobody died. Banshees are not known for doing anything other than crying or wailing. So I'm pretty sure arson's off the table as well, but who knows. Continuing on, she was said to be heard in the Coil Utaga, or the Great Wood of Ulster, which ran alongside the castle. These same woods were the ones that Shane O'Neill had marched his army through in 1565 as he went to defeat the Macdonalds on the Battle of Glentasse. Today, those woods are farmland and housing developments. Some say the Banshee still remains at the castle to this day to warn family members of their death. So while it's unclear if she was responsible for the fire or not, one thing remains true. She ushered a lot of family members into their deaths, and the O'Neill house is still around, and the black head of the O'Neills is still standing. Our next story takes us to Cork. A man says he heard that Keening and was still alive to tell the tale. Now, so far, we know that just because you hear a banshee doesn't always mean they're coming for you. 
According to an article by Katie Mithen Lynch in 2018, in the article, it talks about a story of Willie Good, whose voice you can hear on video describing an incident that occurred years before when a neighbor passed away. He said that it started with a disturbing noise. He said he thought it was just cats outside his house, and after a moment he realized it wasn't that at all. He said the noise would go out in front of his house and then back again. He said this went on for around 15 minutes or so, and then it stopped. Willie eventually went to bed and fell asleep. He said the next morning he learned that two neighbors, a father and a daughter, had passed during the night. They only lived just a quarter of a mile from him. He says to this day that the noise he heard was a double banshee. So, the had, we have not one, but two banshees that came at night. They said that only multiple banshees generally appear whenever someone holy is about to pass. This is interesting, and I wonder if it is the same conclusion that you will make. Perhaps the banshees decided to meet up by chance at the passing of father and daughter, or was there more to the story? Maybe they weren't actually father and daughter, as... A banshee is supposed to only be assigned to one family. Or someone in the spirit world messed up in payroll. Perhaps we'll never know. But it was an interesting thought and something to dig more into. An article in the Irish Times published in May of 2019 says that people do not believe that the banshee can be heard in Ireland any longer. The author states that five years prior to this article, he heard it when his brother passed away. The author goes on to say that his brother had been sick at the time. It was around midnight, and he was still up just in case his brother needed anything. He then heard the banshee's horrible cry. Nothing else about the story, however. And it's unclear if this was the author's actual tale or one that was told to him, and as it pretty quickly references back to the 1800s. This article as well tells stories of over a month-long event where multiple residents heard the Banshee's cries back in 1893. The first story tells about a person who heard the Banshee's cry when their aunt passed away. They say it was early in the morning. The Banshee appeared as a young woman crying to usher in the death of the aunt. After this, she was never seen or heard from again. The Banshee, that is. People in Wicklow say they heard the Banshee's cries during this time as well. She says that she was heard in hill on a hill in uh, Ovaca County, Wicklow, around 8 p.m. The writer's sister and husband heard the Banshee's cry, and the next morning, a friend had passed. I came across something fun I wanted to share with you in my research. Uh, it was from the Daily Edge, and let's see if you or your friends are Banshees or even yourself. The 17 signs you may actually be a banshee. Number one, your primary modes of communication are howling, cackling, or keening. Number two, you love a bit of shrieking. Number three, you're very proud of your hair. You take an oddly and long enough time to brush and style it in the way you want. Number four, you tend to leave things after you. Number five, your wardrobe is mostly gray and black. You love a good cape. Number six, you've been known to 
sit and wail at people. Oh my God, my wife is a banshee. Number seven, you cry at everything. Eight, you like to keep on top of your laundry. Number nine, people always seem surprised when you doll yourself up because normally you look like a hag. Number 10, you're always cold. Number 11, your singing voice could be described as the blood-curdling yowl of a demon. Number 12, but the world shrill fills you with eye-popping rage. Number 13, you have a sixth sense. You just know when someone will die. Number 14, you take aging people for no reason. Number 15, you don't understand why anyone thinks you're scary. Number 16, you're nice. People just never get to know you. And number 17, you are a terrifying person of death and destruction. Clearly, I'm describing a toddler in a fit of rage because you gave them the blue cup instead of the red cup. Or it was the wrong blue cup. Now, the site lists multiple stories and testimonies of Banshee sightings or hearing the Banshee's wail. We've gone over several of them ourselves, but I've still yet to find anything very modern about the Banshee. I have a few recent articles, but they all seem to reference back to the 50s being the latest mention. These are all older stories, however, and it's very rare to hear of a Banshee sighting any longer. Where did they go? I think perhaps it is because we are not as superstitious as we were back in the day. Maybe the sounds of the modern city have drowned her out. We have forgotten what it's like to listen to noises and look for signs. Maybe with the invention of movies and Hollywood stories, we have become so desensitized to the fact that these things might actually exist. And if we did hear a banshee cry, we would not recognize it. Nor would we be able to associate the two events together. We would just chalk it up to being weird and calling it a day. I think there is some great sadness in letting legends and folklore become myths and scary stories that we tell our children on summer, uh, summer camps. Who knows, maybe the Banshees are real and here today. They have just adapted with the times to usher in death. Perhaps they blend in with the scene. These are things we will never know. But me, I will always believe that the Banshees exist. Regardless, the Celtic lore that surrounds Banshees seems to ring in the underlying and understanding from everyone that speaks about it. We all fear death. For some who believe in the folklore, the Banshee whales are worse than actual death itself. Well, that's all the time I have for you today, my little spooklets. Remember, if you hear that weird sound in the middle of the night, that's somewhere between a cat stuck in a trap and your toddler getting upset because you picked the wrong pants for him that day, you just might have heard a banshee. Well, guys, like I said, that's all the time we have for today. I thank you so much for joining us on today's episode when we talk, where we talked about the banshee, the lady of death. Next week, our episode, uh, we're still working out some kinks with our, our podcast uh, hosting. Um, they're getting our, our stuff out late, um, and it's just really causing some problems. So, But hopefully next Tuesday, 
I've been assured everything will be back to normal. Um, so next Tuesday, we're going to look at vampires. It's going to be a really deep educational experience as well because we're going to explore the origin of not only the vampire itself but the vampire name what it means what dialects it comes from we're also going to explore how the myth has changed and evolved over the years to be almost unrecognizable today so don't forget to check us out next tuesday as we get into the curse of the vampire Um, i thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast don't forget Leave a review, refer us to a friend. That's the best support you can give. If you like the show and want to uh, show your support financially, you can always buy me a coffee. Um, You can visit our website through theveilpodcast.com. You can see links and and stuff like that there of how to to, uh, donate funds if you would like to support the show financially. We are not ever going to be doing Patreon because I don't like lock and cake uh, content behind a paywall. So give us some support, show your love, and we'll see you next week here on Through the Veil.